How can I know the will of God? I'm not sure I understand. Alright, hey, good morning, Journey. So today we're continuing our Asking for a Friend series. Over the last several weeks, we have been looking at specific questions that we might have as believers or as followers uh, of Christ that we might necessarily, might not want to ask. And so, if you are ever on social media, you're ever online, you might often see a question with the tagline, asking for a friend. In other words, I want you to know on the front end, this isn't about me, right? So don't think about me. And then we ask it under the guise that somebody else would like to know it. So what we've been walking through are questions that are common to most anyone who is seeking out Christianity or is discovering what it means to walk with Christ or even has been walking with Christ for many, many years. And so we've been walking through these questions. The question today is, how do I know the will of God? And so we're going to dig into that. But before we do, I want to preface uh, everything that we say with this one thought, and that is this. Go ahead and jot it down. That's God's will for your life is better than your plan for your life. God's will for your life will always be better than the plan that you have for your own life. Like, I don't know about you, but I had plans and dreams as I, as I grew up and as I got older and I began to think about who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do in life. I began to dream dreams and I began to, to write plans. At one point, I was going to, to be a lawyer. That, that was a plan for my life at one point. I was going to go and get a law degree and uh, the goal there was just to make a lot of money. That was, that was the only goal I had to be a lawyer. There was nothing else behind it. And so I, I pushed that to the side realizing it seemed kind of boring to me and I thought, you know what? I'm going to become a radiologist. And then my plan for the next year and a half was to become a radiologist and I realized I, I don't like science at all. Like I can't stand sitting through science so I definitely am not taking all of those classes. And then I decided, you know what? I'm just going to push school to the side all together and take on a career where I don't ever have to go to school and run my own business. And so I developed a business plan uh, to, to operate a loan service that operated from Huntsville all the way down to Mobile. And so I drew out that business plan. I still have it. If anybody, if you want to live that out, if that's your dream, I'll be glad to share it with you. And through the midst of all of that, I had my plans. But the whole time, God had his own plans and he had his own dreams for my life. And you know what? His plans and his dreams met up perfectly with who I am and the gifts that I have, and my plans never did. And so walking through today, I want you to know just on the front end that the plans that God has for your life will always be better than the plans that you have for yourself. And so with that in mind, we're going to dig through and we're going to look at some ways that we can discover the will of God, His plans, His dreams for our life. Maybe you've been in a situation where you've been trying to discover God's will for your life. Anybody been there? You've been in a situation, you're just like, man, I want to know. I can't figure out what God wants me to do right here. I know God didn't want you to lie, so those of you who didn't raise your hands, we're looking at you, right? We've all been there. We've had situations where we thought, man, I just don't know what God wants me to do in this situation. And we spend nights praying or we spend days talking to people who are wiser and smarter than us. And we're asking the question over and over again, God, I just want to know what you want me to do. What is your will? I want to do the right thing. Sometimes it's super obvious. Sometimes you know without a doubt, hey, this is God's will. And you know as soon as the opportunity approaches that this is God, He's working in it, He's active, He's moving, and you can take it. So I had a moment like that in my life. I had been at the church I was serving for about six years, and I began to sense that God might be 
be leading us somewhere else. And so me and, and my wife, my bride Erica, we began to pray about that and what it looked like. And, and in that process, her grandmother, her grandmother passed away. Her grandmother wanted a pastor who had been in the town that she spent her entire life in to come back and to do her funeral. So when she passed away, I picked up the phone and I called this pastor. And I said, hey David, this is, this is Daniel. I don't know if you remember me, but uh, Erica, my wife's grandmother, Elon, passed away, and she wanted to know if you would be the one to perform her funeral, and so I'm calling to see if you'll, you'll come back. And we talked for a brief minute, and he's like, hey, yeah, I remember who you are. I remember this one time you came in my office. He tells these stories about experiences that we had had together, and then he goes, man, there is no way, no way possible that I can get up there. There's no way I can make, make that date. He said, if you could just apologize to the family. And I was like, sure, I will. And he goes, hey, 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 before you hang up, do you want to move to Mobile? And I thought, not really. <laughs> and I said, why? What, what are you talking about? What are you offering? And, and all of a sudden, our conversation turned into a negotiation, right? He goes, hey, our church is, is looking for this. And man, just the experiences that I've had with you before, I think you would be the perfect fit to come down here and to tackle this and to do it. And so this conversation takes place, and I'm on the back porch, and I walk back in, and my wife and some other family members and a friend are sitting there. And my wife goes, well, is he coming? I said, no, nah, no, he can't do He can't do the funeral. And then I just sit there with this, this dumbfounded look on my face. And she goes, well, why are you still standing there? And I said, I think I just got offered a job. I'm pretty sure I just got offered a job. And she goes, doing what? And I said, well, I only think I know how to do it at this point in life is ministry. So uh, it's the job doing ministry. And I explained to her the position. And I go, I, don't, I just told him, we would pray about it, and a friend of ours sitting in the living room says, Hey, uh, Daniel, why don't you go pray about it? Erica's going to go start packing. Right? It was, it was that obvious to everybody in the room that this was God, that He was active, that He was moving. And there have been times in life where it was like, I know without a doubt that this is God. He's opening this door. We're going to walk through it. We're going to see what He wants to do. And then there are other times where you struggle through it. And there's been times in my life where I've, I've sat and I've prayed, and I've sat at work, and I've prayed about what I was supposed to be doing next, and I've just wrestled through what was going to happen and what God desired and wanted for me. So when Eric and I uh, accepted the call to come here to Journey, it was after months of, of process of praying and, and seeking God and just seeing what He wanted for our life. We loved the church we were at. We loved the area that we were in, and I, I just began this holy discontent, began to arise in me, and I knew that, that God was preparing us to go somewhere else, but to be honest with you, I didn't want to go anywhere else. I was, I was happy where I was at, and so I began to, to not sleep at night, but I began to lay in the bed and stare at the ceiling. You guys, have y'all been there? And I began to pray to change God's mind. So it was like, God, I sense this is what you're doing, and uh, I know you're almighty and you're all-powerful and you know more than I ever do, but I really think this is what would work best. Right? And so we began to pray through that whole process, and it was weeks and even, even months of sleepless nights before I walked into someone's office and I said, man, I just got to tell you that I think that God is leading me and Erica somewhere else. I said, I have no idea where that is and if you fire me right now, I, I completely understand because my heart ain't here. I think God's leading me somewhere else. And that guy goes, let me go talk to someone and within two minutes he said, hey, I know exactly where God wants you to be. He said, I know where God wants you to be. He said, I want you to call this guy named, named Mike Mazingo and I knew who... I knew who Mike was because I grew up 45 minutes from here. And I picked up the phone and, and right, the rest is history. And somehow I'm, I'm still here. And listen, my plan for my life 
was to stay where I was for years upon years upon years. But God's plan was ultimately better because I've never been more satisfied or fulfilled in ministry than I am right now. Look, God, God's desire, His plans for your life are amazing. Look, and in Romans, we're about to look at this. Uh, the writer of Romans says not only are God's plans better, but he says they're perfect. That God's plan for your life is perfect. It perfectly suits who you are and who you were created to be. So that question we're answering today is, how do we discover that will? And I believe we can find it right here in the book of Romans. So Romans chapter 12 is written by a guy named Paul. He wrote much of of the New Testament, and he spent a lot of time up at this point in his letter to the church in Rome just explaining the gospel and talking about sin and, and salvation and how we discover that through Jesus. And then he says, so since these things are true... So since these things are true, since Jesus gave his life for you, here's some things that should be true in your life. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Listen, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then here's the key. So we do those things. And then you will learn to know God's will for you. Don't miss it again. He says, and then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. So the first step in discovering God's will for my life, according to the writer of Romans, is that I need to remove the barriers that keep me from hearing God's voice. I need to remove the barriers in my life that would keep me from hearing from God. And those barriers are, are few, or those barriers are, are, they vary greatly. Right? We're busy people. We're probably busier than, than humanity has ever been. We, we take our kids to school, we pick them up, we take them to hobbies. We go to work somewhere in between. Most of you who are parents, you have kids that have some kind of ball practice or, or dance practice or some outside activity that they do multiple days a week. And so you're struggling to get home. We eat tons of fast food and then we wonder why we're not as healthy as we ought to be. We're constantly going. We wake up in the morning thinking about all the things that we have to do. And technology is an amazing blessing, but it makes us so effective that we add other things to our list. And so before long, we have hundreds of things that we have to do every week. And we get up and we run until it's time to go to bed. And then we crash at night. And then we get up before we want to. And we run again the next day. And then we crash again at night. And we, we tell people all the time, someone will go, Hey man, how are you doing? And our response is either a lie. We go, I'm doing great, man. Life is great. And you, coffee is holding your eyelids open. Or either we look at them and we go, man, I'm just tired. I'm tired. And it's because we're doing so many things. And listen, in the, in the process of doing so much, we forget to stop. And Scripture says this. It says, be still and then you will know that I'm God. And so we don't have time to stop and we don't have time to be still. And so in the process of being so busy, we build barriers that keep us from hearing from God. And so when we come to those points in life where we need to make a decision that we think is big and life-altering, we find it difficult to hear the voice of God because we hadn't been spending time with Him in the first place. But no one else, no one else is responsible for the barriers in your life. It's you. Right, We're responsible for the barriers that we build in our life. In fact, jot this down. The greatest barrier to me hearing from God is me. It's me. Look, it's not my spouse. It's not my kids. 
It's not my job. It's not everything else that is expected of me. It's not ministry. It's me. That one decision at a time, I choose to build a barrier. One decision, one brick. I get up in the morning and I say, you know what? I don't have time to spend with God this morning. One brick, boom. The barrier is starting to be built. That afternoon, I make a bad decision. I do something that I know goes directly against the will of God. There's another brick. And before long, decision after decision after decision, I've built the barrier that makes it almost impossible for me to hear the voice of God. Now hear me on this. He hadn't quit speaking. We've just quit listening. It would be as if someone is in the back of the room and we're carrying on a conversation. No microphones. This happens from time to time. Right, We're in here doing something, getting ready for Sunday, and there's somebody in the back of the room, and, and we're talking. It's a little difficult to hear, but you can hear. E- even though there's no amplification of, of their voice or my voice, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, pretty big room, but I can hear someone standing back there, and we can talk back and forth about whatever needs to happen. But if I walk to the back of the stage, it, it's a little more difficult to hear them. So now we're, we're straining our voice. And you're getting, you're getting the look of the squinted eyes, right? I can't really hear you. And so I think squint my eyes is going to make my ears open more. So I'm squinting my eyes. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And you, got, you, you hit your ear and you're like, oh. And so then, then they talk louder. And then in response, you, you have to talk louder. And then if I move up into the stairwell, all of a sudden there's not just distance separating me and the individual, but now there's an actual wall there. And now their voice is not coming through that wall. It's actually bouncing back off of it. And so they're hearing their self better than I am because now there's a barrier that is there. There's a barrier that exists. And we are responsible for those barriers. The greatest barriers in my life to me hearing the voice of God have all, it's always been me. It's been the decisions that I've made. It's been the sin that I've allowed to be in my life. And it's been the walls that I built one brick at a time that keep me from hearing God's voice. Listen, and when we build those barriers, even when we hear His voice, it's muffled and confusing and we're not sure exactly what He's asking us to do. So here's the solution to removing barriers according to the writer of Romans. The first one is this, is to make a decision to give your life completely to God. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. But the, the, the word plead is, is not necessarily like He's begging, but He's pushing and He's coaching. And so He's coaching them. He's saying, look, I want you to know in your walk with God that as a coach that this is the next best thing that you can do. I'm encouraging you. I'm pushing you forward. It's the picture of a, of a basketball coach with his arm around his best player at the end of a game when they're down by three points. And he's encouraging him and he's inspiring him and he's letting him know the best thing that they can do to have a chance to win the game. So the writer of Romans is saying, look, I'm putting my arm around you. I want you to know the best thing that you can do to win at the game of life. He's saying, here it is. Don't miss it. I'm encouraging you. I'm pushing you forward. I'm coaching you. Listen to me. I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Look, he's not telling them to go up to, to an altar and, and to end their life. That, that's what happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was expected that you brought a sacrifice and that you sacrificed something on the altar as a gift to God. And now in the New Testament, we're all of a sudden not dealing with dead sacrifices or dead animals. We're dealing with alive individuals that we walk up to the altar and we willingly give our life to Jesus. Listen, and then we walk away from the altar and we live that life on a daily basis. 
And so the writer of Romans is saying this, that if you want to know the will of God, then it begins with you making a decision to surrender your life to Him completely by laying that life on the altar, by sacrificing it and saying, Lord, look, I'm going to choose to believe that your plans and your will for my life are better than my own personal plans. Look, that's what we're sacrificing. We're sacrificing our will and our desires and our dreams and we're standing back up with the dreams of the one who knows better than we do. It's living sacrifice. We offer it to God completely. Listen, this is a one-time decision. This is a stake-in-the-ground type decision where you say, from this point on, things are going to be different and my life is going to change and it's not going to be the way that it's been before. This is a one-time deal. You look back on for the rest of your life and you say, I can remember when I made that decision. Several months ago, one of our staff members was talking to someone who was walking through a difficult time in their marriage and and the person they were talking through said this, they said, look, I know it's hard for you or anybody on staff to relate to this because you guys work at a church and and your marriages are probably perfect. And uh, y'all can laugh, right? But can you imagine having to live with me every day? My wife, she's amazing. And so our marriages are not always perfect. And in fact, for the first five years of my marriage, me and my wife both regretted getting married. We, we, she wanted to move out, we tell people, and I was so generous, I was willing to pack for her. Right, that, that is what was going on in our life. And somewhere in there, we, we had our daughter about six years in, and I remember leaving and going and doing some side work one day so that we could take care of some bills that we had to pay. And I got home, and it was about 6.15, and there was a table set. And so I already knew something was wrong. There's a, there's a tablecloth on the table to start with. And then there's candles on there, and there's two plates of food on the fine china that we got when we got married. It's the only time we've ever used it. And, and it sat there, and it was all fixed. And I walk in, I said, where is, where is Madison? She said, she's in bed. I said, it's 6.15. She said, we got some stuff to talk about. And I was like, oh boy, right? That was a stake-in-the-ground moment. Listen, that night we decided that, that it's our choice how our marriage goes, that we make that decision And from this point forward, life is going to be different for us. And the way that I relate to you and the way that you relate to me is going to be different from this moment on. This is the type of decision that the writer of Romans is talking about. Looking at a a flippant decision that you make in passing, he's saying, look, I want you to make a decision right here, right now, stake in the ground. From this moment on, you can always look back to and say, I knew from that moment that my life was going to be different. That things were going to be different. And knowing the will of God will always start with that decision. Listen, here's what Scripture teaches. It teaches that we are a sinful people. right? We've made mistakes. I don't want you to think you're the only one in the room here that is messed up. There's not a single person sitting in this room or that has stood on this platform that has not messed up and broken the law and missed the mark that God set for them. Every single one of us. The Bible calls that sin. And it tells us that the wages of that sin is death and that the penalty of sin is that that's it it's death that's what we owe but it also says this it says but the gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord it's a decision this is a decision for you and for me to say look i know that i'm a sinful person i believe that jesus died for me and that he offers forgiveness from those sins and now because he conquered the grave he offers me new life it's a one time, one moment decision that now I'm surrendering my life completely to Him. It's not about trying to live better. It's not about trying to do better. It is a surrender. 
that my will is now dead and I'm going to live out the will that God has for me. And knowing the will for your life begins there every single time with me making a decision to give my life completely to Him. Listen, and then it's followed up by me allowing God to transform me on a daily basis. I allow God to transform me on a daily basis. He tells them, he says, I want you to offer your life as a a living sacrifice. Why? Because it makes sense because of everything God has done for you. And then he said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Listen, but let God transform you. It's a process. You don't become someone new overnight, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. It's the process of becoming someone totally new. Listen, it isn't about making a decision that says, when I walk out of the room, I'm going to change my behavior. Again, it's about surrender, and it's about allowing God on a daily basis to change you. So there's a one-time decision, then there's a daily decision. That every day I get up and I remind myself, Lord, I surrendered my life to you. I surrendered my will to you. And so today I want to live out what you want me to do and what you want me to accomplish. And listen, as you spend that daily time with the Lord, He begins to transform you. That's why when you run into friends after you accept Christ that had not seen you in years, they don't know who you are because you are someone totally different. You've been changed. You've been made new. And it's something that happens not from the outside in, but it's something that happens from the inside out. It's where we get our word metamorphosis from. It's like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. When it comes out of the cocoon, it doesn't look anything like it did when it went into it. And so it is with me and you that as the process of living with God and as the process of discovering God's will takes place, I begin to, I begin to be someone totally different. And it begins right here. It begins by God changing the way that I think. In fact, jot this down somewhere on the side of your handout, that if you change the way you think, you will change the way that you live. If you change the way you think, you will change the way that you live. If you're struggling to overcome something, listen, it starts here in the mind. And you need to allow God to begin to change the way that you think about the situation. You need to allow God to change the way that you think about and you view yourself. And as your thoughts begin to change, your life will begin to change also. And so we allow God to transform us on a daily basis. It's a one-time decision, stake in the ground moment followed by a decision to offer my life to Him one day and one moment at a time. And when we put ourselves in that position to hear from God, then we can follow through with these other three steps, which are first, ask God what His will is through prayer. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I'm walking with Him on a daily basis. I'm allowing Him to change who I am by by changing the way that I think. And I want to know what His will is in my life. And so it starts here. It starts simply by asking Him. You know what we deal with as pastors in, in marriage counseling more often than not? The, the most difficult thing that we deal with in marriage counseling. You guys ready? You can write this down and, and you can take, this is free. You don't even have to pay for this. Don't put anything extra in the offering basket. This is just free information. Mind reading. That's what we deal with more than anything. It's mind reading. We're talking through a situation and it's like, this. I deal with this in my own life. You should have known. To which my response is, any kind of counselor is, how should they have known? When did you let them know? Well, I didn't. They just should know. (laughs) You should be a mind reader. Listen, I want you to know this. If you want your spouse to do something and you ask them to do it, they will probably do it. If you want them to do something and you don't ask them to do it, 
they probably will not know that you wanted them to do it. It's that simple. Listen, marriage isn't like it happens in a novel or a movie. That Those marriages do not exist. He, he will not know your every need, nor will she. But if you mention it to him, it, it'll probably change. For instance, if I leave my clothes in the floor, anybody guilty of that? Come on, confession time. Uh, I, right? It's clothes just right there in the floor. It doesn't matter that the hamper's three foot away. They're right there. They're in a nice, neat pile. You never know when you might need them, right? Grass might grow overnight. You might need to put them back on. And so, you, you poke, you're closer in the floor, your wife walks by, and you hear, <sighs> you know something's not right, right? She puts clothes up, she puts them in the hamper, but never says anything. I'm going to let you in on it. Ladies, as a man, we're just thinking, she's going to always do that. If I just leave my clothes there forever, she's just going to walk by, put them in the hamper. If you look and you go, it really bothers me when you leave your clothes in the floor. We're this simple. It bothers me. Would you not do it anymore? You know what? He's not going to put his clothes there anymore. You know why? Because you asked. Because you asked. You would be surprised at the results that you get when you ask. We start here. You want to know the will of God? Then ask. It's not some mystery up in the sky with some kind of puzzle that you're supposed to figure out. God is not sitting on His throne going, I made this riddle for them that's called my will. Let me see if they can figure out what it is. He has a plan for your life and He wants you to be able to live it out. He wants you to know His will. And all you have to do is ask. Just ask. Here's what the Bible says about it. It seems too simple to be true. But in James, the Bible says this. If you need wisdom, wisdom, God, I want to know what you want me to do in this situation. Here's the solution. Ask. Ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. In Proverbs, it says it this way, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. In other words, seek His will. Ask, and He will show you which path to take. Look, I'm going to free you up. God does not get angry when you ask Him questions. And so ask. Say, Lord, I want to know what you want me to do in this situation. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this issue in my marriage. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this financial issue. Am I supposed to make this purchase or not? Are we supposed to to live in this home? Are we supposed to move there? Am I supposed to change careers? Am I supposed to go to this school or to that school? Just ask. Just ask. And God does not get angry when you ask. He actually answers. We see it lived out through the life of, of a guy named Gideon in the Old Testament and God has called Gideon to something very specific. And Gideon isn't sure if it's actually God or if it's him. Or maybe he's just trying to find a way out. And so he makes a bargain with God. He says, Lord, I'm going to lay a fleece outside tonight. And if this is what you're leading me to do, then I want the fleece to be completely dry when I get up in the morning. And I want the ground to be soaking wet. So he gets up in the morning and the ground is soaking wet and the fleece is completely dry. You'd think that would be enough, right? It's some kind of odd. And, and he says, God, that's, that's pretty good. But let's try it one more time. He says, so I'm going to go to bed tonight. And we're going to switch it up a little bit. Just make sure nature wouldn't plant some cool trick. And, and so I want the ground to be completely dry when I wake up. And I want the fleece to be soaking wet. And so he wakes up and he goes outside. And Scripture says that the fleece is so wet that he can clean the water out of it. And you know what? God didn't zap him dead in the middle of the night for asking questions. 
He didn't get angry for asking again. He answered and Gideon followed through and did what God had called him to do. And the nation of Israel experienced a great victory because of it. Look, do not be ashamed of asking God questions. Have the courage to ask Him. Say, Lord, I want to know what Your will is in this situation. So ask Him and then seek for clarity in His Word. God's already answered a lot of the questions that we ask through Scripture you don't even have to ask a question at that point. If he's written it down, then you don't have to ask it. You already have the instructions. And if he's answered it one time, he's not going to change his answer a couple of years from now or a thousand years from now or ten thousand years from now. It will always be the same. And so we ask through prayer. We seek for clarity in his word. The psalmist said this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In other words, it shows me your will where I'm supposed to. To go, And we ask this as we're reading Scripture. First off, is there a biblical command that I can follow? Is there something specific? Has God already addressed this? Has He said that this is without a doubt my will in the situation? There are several times throughout Scripture where we read, this is the will of God. Here's a few of them. In First Peter it says, for this is the will of God. You can't mess this one up. This is God's will. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, don't concentrate on the end. It's not your job to put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. It is your job to do good. And as you do good, then your good works will put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So without a doubt, it is God's will for us to do good. So if you're struggling with a decision, Lord, should I do this or should I do that? And then it involves you doing good to someone else or for someone else, then the answer is yes, it is God's will for you to do good. In another place, he says this, be thankful in all circumstances. So whether life's going really good or life is going really bad, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This is God's will. Without a doubt, for you to be thankful, regardless of what's going on in your life, that you choose to have an attitude of someone that says, you know what, none of this belongs to me anyway. I'm going to be thankful for whatever God sends my way. There are other instances. The Bible tells us without a doubt, it says it is God's will for you to remain sexually pure. In other words, if there is something going on in our life that would would attack purity, whether we're married or, or unmarried or somewhere in between, that we should flee from it. There's Without a doubt, you don't have to ask questions about it. You don't have to pray, God, is this your will? He's already addressed it. He's dealt with the issue already. So there are times in the Bible that you know without a doubt, this is God's will for my life. This is what I'm supposed to do. There are other times we base our decision on a principle that is found in the Bible. So we ask, is there a command? And then we ask, is there a principle that I can apply? There are principles in Scripture like you reap what you sow. The Bible says, God can't be mocked. The man will reap what he sows. So as you're making a decision, you can ask yourself the question, if, if something comes from this in ten years, is it going to be something that I want to live with or is it going to be something difficult? We, we reap what we sow. We apply that when we're making decisions. It says other things. It teaches us that we become who we hang around. And so we ask ourselves, am I surrounding myself with the type of people that I want to be like when we're making decisions based on uh, who we have in our life and who has the ability to speak into it? The Scripture also says that a friend shows himself friendly. So my first question to anyone who says, I don't have any friends, is well, who are you being a friend to? Because biblically, the principle is this, is that a person who has friends is a person 
who is friendly. And so if I want friends, I go and I do friendly things with other people. And it's a principle that we apply to our life. So as we're making decisions, we work through these principles. Listen, it takes time and it takes effort to dig into God's Word and discover, one, what the commands are, and two, what the principles are. That's why it's a process. And it's happening over time as I spend daily time with God. He's shaping me into someone new. He's changing the way that I think. I'm learning biblical principles. I'm learning biblical truth. And I'm learning how to apply it to my life. So we look into Scripture. We also seek out the guidance and advice of others. We seek out the guidance and advice of others. In 1993, Reggie White became a free agent. At that point, he was one of the, the best linemen in the NFL. He also was an ordained minister. And so when he was making his decision about where he was going to go and play, he let everyone know that was talking to him. He said, I'm not making my decision based on finances alone. He said, not going to lie, it matters, right? Money matters, but I want to be where God wants me to be. I want to be in God's will. So wherever it is he wants me to play, that's where I'm going to play at. And so teams began to recruit him, and one team that began to recruit him heavily was was the Green Bay Packers. And so the general manager and the owner, and uh, even Brett Favre was was there at the time. They began to reach out to him, and Favre's comment to Reggie White was, I want you on my team because I'm tired of you hitting me, right? And so I want you on my team. Mike Holgren wasn't sure what to do with the whole God thing. He was the head coach at the time, and so when, when Reggie White said, I'm just going to go where God wants me to go, he took the opportunity to pick up the phone and call Reggie White. Reggie didn't answer, and it went to his, his voicemail or to his answering machine at the time. If you don't know what those are, just Google it. And so it went to, to his answering machine, and Hogan left this message. He said, Reggie, this is God. I want you to play in Green Bay. Right? <laughs> that, that's pretty solid. Right? I think I would have tried that. Reggie wasn't offended. In fact, he laughed about it, and he ended up playing there for, for years to come, had a stellar career. But sometimes it's the advice of others it's the advice of others that God uses to reveal to us His will. People outside of the situation that you're working through or the situation that you're trying to figure out have a, a perspective that you do not have. And so they will see things in a way that you will not see them, and they've not been through what you've been through. And so most of the time they're just looking at it from a completely different angle, and they're able to share with you insights that you would never find out on your own. It, it's biblical to seek out the counsel of others. In fact, Proverbs 11 says, Without wise leadership, a nation falls, but there is safety in having many advisors. When you're making a decision, you should constantly be seeking out the people that you trust and people that you know and asking them to speak into the situation. My wife and I have been talking through a, a big decision for us in our life. And, and so this past week, I called my dad. And uh, he's a wise guy. He's He's smart, especially uh, when it comes to, to financial matters. And he's been a follower of God for longer than I've been alive. So he has more experiences than I do. And so I called him the other day and I said, hey, can I take you to breakfast? And his first question was, do I have to buy it? Right? So I told you he's smart financially. He's a smart guy. And so I was like, yes, you do. You're my father. You owe, you owe me breakfast. And so uh, I invited him to breakfast. And then I told him why I wanted to go to breakfast. 
it's just clear. I said, hey, I, I got this decision that I have to make. There's this thing that, that we're walking through as a family, and I would just love your insight on it. Now, here's the deal. He's going to speak into it, but I'm not automatically going to say, you're the wisest person the world has ever known. Thank you so much. That is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take what someone who is wiser than me says, and I'm going to take it back to Scripture. And I'm going to say, does this meet up with what the Bible says? And I'm going to take everything that anybody else tells me, and I'm going to refer it back to God's Word to see if it matches up. So biblically, it tells us that we should ask God. It starts there. After I put myself in a posture to hear from Him, I just ask Him. I say, Lord, what is it that You want me to do in this situation? And then I seek clarity in His Word, and then I seek out the guidance and advice of other people. And listen, once I know it, it's my job to do it. Once you know what the will of God is, then it's our responsibility to do it. I don't think the question so much should be, how do I know the will of God, but how do I live it out? Because I think in most situations, we know what God is calling us to do. We would just prefer to do something else. And so we spend time praying, and we spend time seeking, and we spend time fasting, hoping that at some point God will change His mind. I get it. Believe me, I do. Living out God's will is difficult and it's hard and it's hard for each and every person in this room. One of the reasons is it it causes you to step outside of your comfort zone. 95% of the time God calls you and leads you to do something. It's going to require you to step into an area that you're not comfortable with. We have a team right now in Africa. I can guarantee you that when they were in the airport a couple Sundays ago getting ready to fly out, they were scared to death. They were nervous. It's out of their comfort zone to go go somewhere else. It's a little nerve-wracking. Making the invite to the waitress at the restaurant or to your family or to the neighbor across the street, it's a little nerve-wracking. But it causes you to step outside of your comfort zone. And that's normally what God's will does. And so we find excuses not, not to carry it out. Sometimes God's will isn't logical. It doesn't make sense. Or I, can't, I can't see the end of it. I don't know how this is going to work out. But I would remind you that, hey, you serve a God that is wiser than you are. We serve a God that is smarter than we will ever be, and He sees things that we will never see. And I'm reminded of the end of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says that His will is pleasing and perfect. That there is absolutely nothing I can do outside of His will that will ever be better than what His will for my life is. So even though it doesn't always make logical sense, I'm going to trust Him and have faith enough to carry it out and to do it. And listen, it doesn't always make sense to the people around you. It doesn't always make sense. And so we allow people to speak into our life, but listen to me. You need to be careful who those people are. There are people when I left to accept the position I was speaking about early early in the message that said, why would you do that? I don't understand why you would leave what you have now and what you've built and how God's grown this to go to go do a, a lesser position. I don't understand why you would do that. And I didn't have a logical answer. It didn't make sense to anyone around me. The only answer that, that I could give was, I know without a doubt that's what God has leading me to do. And so that that's what I'm going to do. 
and I was scared to death, and I didn't know if it was a job that I could ever do. But I went and I did it anyway, because I felt like that was what God was leading me to do. And so sometimes when you're following through with God's will, it doesn't make sense to everyone around you. And so it's difficult, and it's hard. I understand, I get it, but our role is still to carry it out. God has called us to follow Him regardless of the outcome and regardless of how it looks to people around us and regardless of how we feel on the inside, He's just called us to do it. We see it when He called the first disciples. He's walking along the seashore and He calls them and He says, Come follow Me. And Scripture says this, it says, Immediately they left their nets and they followed Him. Listen to me, they didn't go home and pray about it. They didn't fast about it. They didn't get any more advice about it. When they knew the will of God, listen, the searching and the seeking was over at that point. They knew the will of God. The challenge now was to live it out. And immediately, they set the example. In a moment, they left it all and they followed Him. So I don't know what God is speaking to you this morning. Maybe there's something that you've known for weeks or for months or even for years. You've known it was the will of God. And you just hadn't done it. Today, God's word to you would be, I just want you to carry out my will. But the details, He can handle. He can handle the details. He can work out the things that don't make sense to you. And I want you to know this, His will is pleasing. You will find more pleasure and more purpose and more meaning in living out His will for your life than you could ever find on your own. Here's a couple of next steps for us today. The first one is this, is I have to make a choice to believe that God's will is perfect and best. It doesn't make sense all the time, right? But I'm going to choose to believe it. I believe what the Bible says in Romans, that it is God's will that is perfect and best for my life. My next step after that is to surrender my life fully to Him. If you're here today and there's never been that stake-in-the-ground moment in your life where you said, today I'm surrendering my life to Him, and you've asked forgiveness of your sins, and you've accepted the forgiveness that God has to offer through the person of Jesus, if you've never had that moment, listen, then don't worry about the rest of it. Don't worry about the rest of it. It is God's will for you to experience eternity with Him, and that begins with that decision, without a doubt. So don't put it off any longer. Today would be the day to say, Lord, today I surrender my life completely and wholly to you. And then when we know God's will, listen, the final step is just to live it out. Just to do it. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the fact that you love us. God, you care for us. You want a relationship with us. You didn't create us to roam through life and just see what happens, but you created us with a plan and with a purpose. You have a will for our life. And that will is pleasing and it's perfect and it's best. So Lord, would you give us the courage to live it out? If you're in the room today, if you would, just remain in a state of prayer where your head's bowed and your your eyes closed. If you're if you're here today, and that's a decision that you've never made, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, trusted His will for your life, I want you to know there's, there's not a better decision you could ever make. And today I want to guide you through that. You can say a prayer. 
similar to this one. You don't have to say it out loud. This is a decision between you and the one who created you. Simply say, Lord Jesus, today I realize I need you. And today I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died to pay the price that I owe and that you rose again. God, I think for anyone in this room who who just said that prayer, if that was you, would would you do me a favor? Would you go by our VIP room on your way out? It's, it's right in the back of the worship center. We have some people just they want to pray with you. They want to put a free gift in your hand and, and help you know what God's next steps for your life are. And so if you prayed that prayer today, would you just, just stop by there? And we have some folks that are going to love you and they're going to celebrate celebrate with you and let you know what's next. Maybe you're in the room and, and you're just dealing with a situation and you say, Daniel, I just, I just want somebody to pray for me. Just say, hey, I'm struggling to figure out God's will in this area of my life. And so would you just pray that he would make it clear? If that's you, would you just, just lift your hand in the air uh, right now? Just I want someone to pray God's will for me right here. I see hands. Hands all over the room. God, you're active, you're working, you're moving. God, your word does not return turn void. And Lord, there are hands all over this room that represent people that are saying, I want to know what God desires for my life. And so, Lord, we come to you asking that you would make your will clear. And God, if when you make it clear, would you give us the courage to move on it? In Jesus' name, amen.